The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of, from getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome. We've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow. Get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast. Whoo! Here we go, guys. I can't believe it's already been a week since getting back from InkersCon. Like, where did this week go? It's just been insanity. <laughs> so this week, I get to finally share with you an interview I had with the amazing Tara Kremen from Kobo. Now, we talked earlier in the year, it was actually in March, and we were talking about this new shift with Kobo Plus going into the U.S. markets, which was really cool. So I got to find out about this quite a while ago, but it's been interesting to see how that's expanded. Now, from the different conferences I've gone to since then, you know, selling direct has really become a thing that authors should be paying attention to. And the more that I even look at that, the more I start to mentally play around with the idea of going wide or going, you know, completely direct, like where that's my main store option, the more I think how much Kobo is just such a, a unique reading experience. Like you'll find out in this episode that I obviously love my paperbacks. And part of the reason for that is we, we're building a library, like an actual physical library in our house so that we have a lot of books and it's going to look really cool when we sell our house but also because we love books, obviously. <laughs> so I've been buying a lot of paperback books lately, but I do love the idea of having like an e-reader device that can be customizable and, you know, where you can write in the margins and you'll find that there are a number of Kobo devices that actually do this now. And so it's been interesting to me as I'm, you know, thinking about the future of what I'm going to do as an author and the future of myself as a reader it's like I was playing with both at the same time when talking to Tara, because I am both. I'm, I'm obviously entrenched in both worlds. I, I love my reading and I love my writing. And so Kobo has this really unique perspective of like how to make the reading experience more, more perfect for the reader. And so that's really cool. And from the author perspective, they're trying to make it as seamless and as easy as possible as well. And so it's just, it's, I love the ethos of Kobo and I love the way that they, you know, they're tailoring everything that they do to both the reader and the writer. It's just such a wonderful company. And then obviously Tara is just amazing. And so when you're listening to this episode, I hope you get as excited as I am when it comes to like the future of what's going to happen with publishing, with reading, with everything that we're doing, because the doors are opening. Like there are some new and wonderful things on the horizon. And I just feel like we have, as indie authors, so many more opportunities even now than we did 10 years ago, right? Obviously, there were things that weren't in existence 10 years ago. And so things shifted and they grew and things expanded and, and things were refined, but it's still happening. It's still ongoing. Finding a way to be able to integrate, you know, marketing systems and 
different platforms like Kobo into your marketing systems and how you're delivering your books and distributing to your readers, it just really matters. It like the experience as a reader matters, the experience as a writer matters. But there's this blurred line between the two of them where, you know, you can deliver that to your readers as a writer and just really be able to enjoy the experience of it. Kobo does a fantastic job of making that magic happen. So without further ado, let's bring on the interview with Tara. You're going to love what she has to say about all the new things that Kobo's up to. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. Well, hi, Tara. It's been a little while since you've been on the Author Revolution podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for obviously coming back to the show. So I hear that there are some new things happening over at Kobo. Would you want to uh, fill us in on what's all been going on over in your world? Sure. Thanks for having me back. Always happy to to chat. Yeah, always lots going on with uh, Kobo. We have new devices as always. And on like the indie author side, our focus has been a lot of about Kobo Plus, which is our subscription model. And that has been around for quite some time now. We started in Belgium and the Netherlands in 2017. And I should caveat our non-exclusive subscription model. But the biggest news, I think, is that we, I guess, by the time this goes out, have expanded into the US and the UK market as well to offer Kobo Plus in audio and ebooks for customers there. So indie authors can access this, get really easily in with their books through Kobo Writing Life. It's just one like sort of button that you have to press. You can remove your books at any time. You can even select the geos as well if you perhaps wanted to just try out the Netherlands first. We sort of built it out with the authors in mind and tried to give as much control as possible. So with the launch of uh, the US and the UK, that's really hitting up all of our core English geos, which is Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the US. And then there's also available in, I hope I get all of this right, Belgium, the Netherlands, France, Italy, and Portugal. So that brings us to 10 geos. That is amazing. Okay, that's super cool. Okay, so can for those of us who might be new, I mean, I'm not overly new, but I, I would like to learn more. So what what does Kobo Plus do? Like, can you give us a quick rundown on how it works? Sure. So from like, um, so say if you're a reader, from a reader perspective, it would be like you pay a monthly subscription. And depending on your geo, they're, they're all a little bit different because we at Kobo always take what I like to call like a, a globally local view of book selling. So our Kobo Plus markets are all slightly different depending on that book market. But so most of the time it is, you can either pay a subscription for Kobo Plus Read, Kobo Plus Listen, or Kobo Plus Read and Listen, which allows you to, you know, for X amount a month, you can access all of the ebooks, audiobooks, or both that you would like. So that's kind of on the customer side. And then on the indie author side, you can make your books available to be in this kind of pool of books that can be read. And then how it works is that it is a subscription-based model. It's like a revenue share model. So it's very similar to a lot of how the other subscription models work. One of the main differences is that we actually calculate the reads by the minutes that your book has been read. So I know it can be kind of maybe common to see like page reads or size of book or anything like that. But we use minutes read, which allows us to treat ebooks and audiobooks exactly the same. And it really reduces the the instances of gamification because we're we're timing, you know, how long a book is open. And, you know, there's we have a lot of uh kind of checks and balances in place for when like offline reading and then it gets uploaded after the fact and and all of that. So so how it works is that basically in each geo there is the number of subscribers and their uh subscription. So that is our our main pool of revenue. 
And then we divide that by all of the minutes that books have been read, and that gives us the value per minute. So this will differ each month, and it'll differ in each geo as well. It doesn't really like differ all that much. And then you'll get paid out. We use the value per minute multiplied by the amount of minutes that your book was read. And then 60% of that is the author's take home. So it seems a little complicated, but once you see it kind of written down, it's like pretty straightforward. But just, yeah. I feel like now I'm just like saying numbers, you know? <laughs> no, that totally made sense to hard me. to follow. I, but, yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. I think it's okay. pretty, pretty similar to like, uh, like you said, the other subscription models and just in the fact that it's minutes instead of page reads. And so it's a lot easier to just, like you said, keep it, keep track of it in a way that's not gamified or being abused in some way, shape or form. So I think that's really cool the way that that's done. And I love that you have that that capability of having both the ebook version and the audiobook version separately, or if you wanted to have them both combined, because I know a lot of us have, you know, both subscriptions or something from other places. <laughs> and so having that combined, it's like, oh, that's really appealing. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, And I really think that the non-exclusive piece just sort of shows as well that what we've seen is that it doesn't, if you're like publishing widely and you're publishing globally, to me, it just like, it's a no brainer to opt your books in because it's just this other audience. And what we've seen is that like, there isn't really too much of a, uh, like a negative in terms of like your a la carte sales that we've just sort of seen authors report like an increase in revenue overall from the subscription reads. So they're for sure, like if this was a Venn diagram, like there's definitely overlaps between people that are like buying a la carte and subscribing. Uh, but for the most part, like it's different books. Uh, it's, it's sorry, it's like a different type of audience that are wanting to consume books in that way. And it's definitely, even when I look at like what's trending on the Kobo Plus list, it's not always the same that's trending on the a la carte. So it just, it just definitely shows that you're reaching like a new audience of readers that perhaps you hadn't seen before through Kobo. Yeah, that's really cool. And the fact that it's not exclusive, then it also gives you that opportunity to be technically in both of those. I mean, honestly, yeah. because you could be hitting that audience who loves the, the subscription-based model. And then you got the the people who obviously just like, I'm kind of both. It's like, I love both. And so to me, it doesn't matter as long as I love the author, I will just follow them anywhere. But <laughs> I think it's really cool that there's opportunities in in all of that. And so like you said, there's no downside to subscribing to it and being a part of Kobo Plus. I mean, it just it just seems like a no brainer, especially if you are wide and, and you're doing all these opportunities to try to get your books out there. So you answer the question of whether or not it needs to be exclusive. But do you have to sign up for Kobo directly, like to be in the back dashboard of Kobo? Or can you still get access to Plus by going through like an aggregator like draft to digital or publish drive or anything like that? Yeah, you can definitely get into Kobo Plus going through an aggregator. Um, uh, the difference, I think that our controls are slightly different from my understanding is that you have to sort of opt in everywhere, whereas we offer the select geos if you wanted. Um, and then there's also, as with coming direct with Kobo kind of for anything, is that there's like merchandising opportunities that wouldn't necessarily be available just because the Kobo Writing Life team is available to you. And um, that's something that's really exciting with Kobo Plus as well, is that we want to see what we can do in terms of like really highlighting our authors and spotlighting them. They already sort of organically get filtered to the top of a lot of the reads in these lists, but we want to try and be a bit more thoughtful with that. So if you're already going through an aggregator, you can definitely reach out to them and see. Um, and I believe they should be opting in and it shouldn't be a problem. So yeah, it's up to the author's preference, really. That's really cool. Yeah, I was going to ask if there were better promos or marketing opportunities then if you went direct through Kobo instead of going through a distributor. Could you explain those a little bit more? 
Sure. So when you're coming direct with Kobo Writing Live, so that kind of means that you're coming to kobo.com slash writing live to create an account. There's a promotions tab that we have available. If you don't see it in your account, you can just send the team an email at writinglive at kobo.com and we'll enable that for you. And that's just sort of um, coming direct to us. So I think the main thing is, is that you're not foregoing the aggregator fee. So you're you're earning more money each time you're kind of coming direct. And we have built out these promotional opportunities that are available. There's a lot of different types of ones. We have audiobooks, we have library promotions as well, all of kind of access to these different things. But I think the main part as well is that you do get access to the team. Um, we're very hands-on. We're, you know, my, my team are this um, really dedicated book selling team that just love the indie community. And we sort of live and breathe this stuff. So you do really get that hands-on kind of like, we're going to take the time and like, look at your books and really give you advice and, and what we see. So that's sort of like the difference between coming direct versus going. And I know sometimes it, it makes sense that you're you're happy to forego the extra 10% because when you're wide, it is a lot to have to publish on four or five, six different platforms. But we do anecdotally hear that our platform is probably one of the easiest to publish to. And we do try and make make a lot of improvements throughout to try and give as much information as possible. Um, for example, one of the things we've been working on a lot, which I hope will will be expanded to the broader KWL community is uh, the new sales dashboard that we have. So we've integrated audiobook sales and ebook sales in one place and sort of also added some new features where you can get your pre-order numbers. There's just different graphs, like a lot more insights. You can download the data so you don't have to wait for the sales report potentially. And we're working on also integrating the Kobo Plus data as part of this. So we want to be able to like show the authors, you know, your promo is working, like putting your books in is working. We want to show you that as quickly as we can. So that's something that you have access to that you might not get if you're going through an aggregator. But again, it's totally down to to whatever the author preference is and, and what makes the most sense to them. Gotcha. Does Kobo help like organically? If you're a part of Plus, like, is there any kind of thing that kind of happens in the back side of things? Not necessarily a promo, but where they're like, hey, let's feature some of these authors who are in Kobo Plus. Like, does that ever happen? Yeah, absolutely. We we do um, sometimes have like a Kobo Plus author of the month. There was um, one of our authors, I've lost the name off the top of my head, but one of our authors was featured last month. And uh, sometimes if we're doing different promotions or we, we do uh, different backlist sales and stuff. So if you're also in Kobo Plus, we'll, we'll likely try and double the features that are available there. Cool. And um, yeah, there's a lot more stuff. It, it just sort of is helpful for us to know. And I do think that it helps with your your ranking on Kobo as well, because our our like ranking is not strictly just based on sales. So when you see your sort of how you're charging on on our site, it differs per geo, it differs, um, you know, in all the different spaces. But it also being in Kobo Plus affects what we call like the temperature of your book. So it's it's not just sales, it's like how often your book is being searched for and clicked on and promotions that you're part of and everything, they all are kind of taken into increase the temperature, which then helps with the rankings. So definitely being part of Kobo Plus like um, helps with that. That's really cool. I, I like that a lot. I think it makes a lot of sense too, because it's just one more added benefit to being a part of that subscription and being able to like tell people, hey, like I'm a part of this thing. It's really awesome. Go check it out. <laughs> so how many, I think you're different, right? So how many audiobooks or eBooks can a subscriber to Kobo Plus take? Like, is it capped at any point or can they just... Well, however many books they can read? I believe it's however many. I I think it's unlimited as far as I know. I mean, yeah, I believe so, but I would need to double check that. But I, I believe it is uh, unlimited. That's really cool. That that definitely differentiates you too, because then there's not a, a limit of how many books you can have in your, your library for a bit. 
it's it's helpful. I know for me, I like to read a lot of books and then I forget to return them. <laughs> and so it's like, uh. so yeah, I'm like, oh, I like that, that idea a lot. Hmm. Every time we talk, you're like pushing me over clo- closer and closer to Kobo, I swear. <laughs> Awesome. That's, that's my job. Like literally is my job. <laughs> right. I love it. I mean, I'm obviously there and I yeah. can um, take off the anecdotal part where for me, yes, the platform is super simple and easy to use. And it's, it's even so simple that I can be like, Hey, to my PA, Jenny, can you go ahead and take down all of my audiobooks right now from find away books on Kobo and then put them direct to Kobo and she's doing it herself. Like I don't have to, to be a part of it. I can look it over if I you know wanted to at the end of it, but at, at the same time, she knows what she's doing because it's so simple to use and it makes it, like it walks you through everything. It's just so, so easy yeah. to use. And um, with the audiobook piece as well, that's another thing that you, we just have to enable for you. So if there's um, someone that's listening and they're like, I don't see the audiobooks in my account, just send us an email again, uh, writinglifeatkobo.com because we just have to switch that on. But it's a very simple process. And we do all of the processing in-house. So it means that the audiobooks get published within 24 hours. More often than not, it's within a matter of hours, which for audiobooks, considering the file size is very, very quick. So really quick publishing. And, and the way that the team built the the upload process, I really like. It's like you drag and drop the audio files and you can rename them and listen to them to make sure you have the chapters in the right order and everything. So yeah, it's really, really easy. And then you can opt into Kobo Plus just with the the one button again with audio. So how does Kobo Plus for audio differ then from the ebook side? Is it based off of the listening minutes then? It's exactly the same. So it's it's exactly okay. as how many minutes your your book is listened to. That's all in the 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 overall pool of minutes. So if I talk really fast on my audiobook, I'm screwing myself. What? <laughs> uh, we did we did a lot of tests about like because I know there's sometimes the question about like slow readers versus fast readers or things like that. Um, but we did a lot of kind of studies before we sort of moved into this, especially because you know we we have had this launch since 2017, and like for lack of a better phrase, it kind of all comes out in the wash that the slow readers are balanced with the fast readers and things like that. And we just don't see it affecting it. It didn't, we we broke it down by genre and like really investigated each one. And there wasn't that much of a difference between things. So yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. (laughs) Well, that's good. I suppose you could always like increase the speed too. And you're trying to listen to something. So there's always that too. Right. That's actually what I do with when I'm learning something new, I'll, I'll listen. And if the people are really slow at talking, I'll actually speed it up. So I can listen to it faster. <laughs> so I only do that yeah. when um I did that yesterday because I had a book club and I had not read the book. So I had to listen to it all on double speed, which was like <laughs> maybe not the most enjoyable listening experience, but uh it got the job done. <laughs> right. You 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 downloaded that information really quickly and yeah. <laughs> made it happen. <laughs> I can understand that one. There's there's definitely times where you're like, I, I need to get this thing done. And it just yeah. yeah, sometimes the speakers are are a little bit slow. And I get why they do it too. They're trying to make sure it's it's understandable. So, okay, there's a free period, free trial period for Kobo Plus on the reader side. So, how does that then affect the author side? Like, does it affect the authors? Do they? Because, like, I think about Amazon's Kindle Vela, where it's like you know they had all these first few chapters or first few um, segments where they're free, and so authors don't get paid for that. Is it the same type of situation, or does it not matter? Um, it is. The authors don't get paid for the free trial period, which is something to consider when you're opting in. But what we kind of see it as is that it's very similar to an author offering sort of like a free first in series. Um, it sort of balances with the marketing efforts that we're doing on our side. Like actually, um, we just started again in Canada. We have a huge media campaign going on at the moment where there's ads and like, you know, we're all over bus stops and stuff like that. It's actually really the creative is really tongue in cheek. It's sort of like, 
you know, who says there's anything wrong with exorcisms in the morning? You know, it's it's sort of that kind of um, <laughs> thing with the tagline as kind of saying, you know, uh, be a reader, not a follower, you know, so just kind of saying that, like, you know, you can read whatever you want in Kobo Plus. It's great. But yeah, so it's to sort of counter out like the marketing efforts there. So that sure. would be something to keep in mind. But honestly, it's it doesn't seem to be that uh, big an issue for authors. Awesome. So do you do a lot of marketing like that for specific genres or is it for Kobo as a whole? Uh, for Kobo Plus, we looked at the genres. We did a lot of romance. We did the kind of looked at like what was being read and like just played off of that. Like that's cool. There's there's an ad. Uh, the ad is on YouTube actually, where it's uh, kind of like a just tongue in cheek about uh, a woman's trying to say the name of a title, and it's like uh, I can't even think of it now. But yeah, I'll I'll tease it. I'll send you the link so you can add it in here afterwards to see the to see the sure. ad. But it's cool to see those campaigns going on around the place to yeah. kind of get generate buzz. That's really cool. I like I like that a lot. And I like that you're tongue in cheek about things that for me, it's, I don't know what it is about like tongue in cheek or when things are ironic, and you're just like, you just got to chuckle at it. I, well, I think like, it's funny. Like genre fiction is so popular. Like why? Why don't we lean into that more? You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no shame in anything you're reading. If you're reading, that's great. Like read whatever you want. <laughs> like, you know? Heck yeah. And when yeah. you can make it fun, it's even all the better, you know, it, yeah. because people then identify with it better. And it makes it more fun. It makes it more enjoy- enjoyable. I love to have fun. It's like it, you got to have a little bit of fun and just poke fun at it a little bit. So totally. it's like <laughs> goofiness. Oh my gosh. So is there anything else, anything new that's going on then? I kind of alluded to it a little bit in the beginning with um, Kobo and what's happening uh, on your side of things. Anything that we as authors should look forward to or maybe start checking out right now? I mean, I think the the new um, geos for Kobo Plus is probably like the biggest thing there. And we're yeah. we're definitely expanding to if there's Kobo Plus geos that don't have audio yet, um, I would expect that probably soon. So I think that's really, really fun. Um, there's new devices coming out. I can't really talk about the new device just yet, but it will be out actually by the time this is run. But um, always kind of leaning on on more stuff. So what I like to kind of tell people or like remind them with Kobo Writing Life is that you're sort of hitting up the four types of, as I see it, the four types of digital reader that exist. So there's like your your standard person that is buying a book, probably owns an e-reader and, you know, follows their authors and, and does that. And then you have your subscription readers who probably consume very similar, but follow authors for sure, but will just kind of keep consuming everything. Uh, you have your audiobook listeners who sort of overlap with your Kobo Plus, but are a bit separate. So some people are very strict to just audiobooks. The demographics are a little bit different there which is always interesting. And then the last thing is that you have your library, um, your kind of loners um, or lenders, I guess. Um, so <laughs> you're kind of reaching the library audience as well. So it's, um, I think it's just really interesting that you can hit up all of those four types of readers just in one place. And then when you think about the devices that we're kind of releasing and putting out, we're very much trying to, to lean into that as well. A lot of our devices now, um, sort of the newer ones have a stylus included. So you can actually mark up your books and take notes and everything. There's audiobook integration with the devices. So you can connect to like either like a Bluetooth speaker or Bluetooth headphones. And then you can loan from overdrive directly from your device, which is, uh, I think, uh, kind of really beneficial because librarians are just the best booksellers. And it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all in terms of digital libraries kind of doing well with everyone. And yeah, and then there's also Kobo Plus is available in the devices too. So it's we're trying to just, you know, our focus is always just on the digital reading experience and just trying to make that as seamless as possible. And and just we don't want to interrupt any reading time. We just want you to be kind of reading and keep reading. Um, And that's always been our ethos. 
Right. And then enjoying it as you're doing it too. I, I exactly. love the idea of being able to write the notes and stuff on the side too. That's really cool. That, that's neat. So is that, has that always been the case? Like, have you always been No. So we okay. launched, I don't know where it is actually, but we launched um, the Kobo Ellipso was our first device. It was actually our largest device. It was like a 10 inch screen. And that had our sort of big note taking capabilities and it's integrated with Dropbox. So you can actually sort of like share your stuff back and forth, really, really kind of seamless integration there. And the fact that you could mark up the EPUBs themselves, I think was sort of a unique feature. I use it a lot for taking notes at work. And especially, you know, if you're, as you know, well, uh, prepping for like a podcast guest or something, you know, as you're reading and you want to take notes, I like, I think books should look like they're read. Um, I often just kind of scribbling in the margins of physical books. So I do like that you can now scribble on digital ones as well. And it captures your doodles. That's just something that was a bonus for me. I love um, but it, that. It, it, yeah. And it also does the handwriting to text, you know, so if you wanted okay. to export it as perhaps a more readable thing, the Kobo Ellipsa and then the Kobo Sage, and then uh, we're kind of expanding upon that as well now. So there's kind of more and more devices there. I love it. It seems like you guys really have this like pulse on being able to be like the the bibliophiles that we all are. Like us authors, I think most of us started as bibliophiles. And so we love our books and we love to to take care of them in whatever way, shape or form. And so having that capability to do some of those things in the digital format is just really appealing to me. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. It just, it's really appealing. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I enjoy most about working in kind of this role and at Kobo is that because we do design the devices, like there's a team that is working on this and you know, when we were like permanently in the office, um, you could just go upstairs and talk to like the architects of the latest device and be like, okay, explain this to me. Like, why are we doing this? Or, you know, get into a really in-depth discussion about e-ink that you wouldn't think would be interesting, but it actually really is because e-ink is evolving quite a lot lately. And, you know, why a comfort light is better reading experience than the blue light and like why we put that in our devices as well. So like all this different stuff. So it's it's very much like our focus is is kind of trying to very much lean on on like what new technology we can work on and, and just try and improve digital reading. I think some people still think of them as like, you know, iteration one e-readers where it's so <laughs> much more than that now. Right. I, I think I even have the, the idea of that sometimes because I've gotten so used to just reading really fast on my phone and not really being on a reader itself. Like I have, I can't iPad. read, I can't read on my phone. Like I yeah. just find it, too, I get I too distracted it. with the notifications and like, I, I just don't have the the strong willpower to not stay, to, <laughs> to not leave the book. I think that's why I order all the paperbacks. <laughs> <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> I have a like a huge stack of paperbacks uh, on my side. My husband's always like, this stack just never seems to be going down. Are you sure you're reading these things in the morning? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm, still re- I'm reading them. They just go over on that shelf over there, but the new ones just keep the stack right there. <laughs> you're like, look at the notes in the margin. I definitely read this. <laughs> right? <laughs> I totally read that, but I got more. Is that okay? <laughs> I love books. They're so fun. Oh, you can't start working in a bookstore at 14 without loving books, I don't think so. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, uh, once again, where should my audience go if they want to either find out more about Kobo Plus from the reader side, if they happen to just like be wanting to obviously join as a reader, or if they're wanting to learn more about how to do it as an author? How do they go about finding everything? As a reader, if you go to Kobo.com, if Kobo Plus is available in your area, you'll, you'll see it right away. It'll be there. If not, and you want to see kind of what the experience is like or or the different things, a cool trick is that if you're on Kobo.com, there's a little flag at the top of the screen and that defaults to where you are. 
But if you click on that, you can actually browse through our different storefronts. So you can go to a geo where we do have Kobo Plus and sort of see what that looks like. And then from an author perspective, if you're coming through Kobo Writing Life, it's it's part of uh, when you're publishing a book. Uh, so it's in one of the steps in the rights and distribution. So just sort of as you're publishing, you can opt in. If you wanted to us to bulk opt in your books for you, you didn't want to go through them one by one, we're happy to do that. Just send an email to writinglife@kobo.com and the team will help there. And you can follow us on, I think we're on like all of all of the socials that are out there. You can just search for Kobo Writing Life. And then we also have the Kobo Writing Life podcast that goes out every other week. And there's lots and lots of good tips and tricks there. Plus the amazing blog that you guys do as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Terrence yeah. is killing it on the blog these days. It's really, really good. And um, yeah, we have our newsletter that goes out every month as well, um, the KWL Quill. So you can find all, all of that information is all on the blog, which is kobowritinglife.com. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Tara. Thank you for being here and explaining more about what's what's new and shaken in Kobo and obviously the uh, new geos for everything that's going on for Kobo Plus. That's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> thank you for being here. I'm so glad that we were able to connect again. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. Do you see what I mean, guys? Holy cow. Kobo has so many cool things that they're in the process of doing all the time. Like every time I talk to Tara, there is something new. Like there's a new device. There's a new innovation that they're working on when it comes to, you know, their the devices that they're using, the the way that they're creating an experience for readers or what they're adding to the dashboards for authors. It's just such a cool company and I love that it's the kind of company where you could just email them, you know, just email and be like, "Hey, so here's this question I have and they'll get back to you." <laughs> I mean, how cool is that, right? So hopefully this episode was helpful. I know it was for me because it continues, like I was telling Tara, it continues to reinforce how much I love this company and how I want to start shifting to more of this type of an experience. And while I live in the United States, I have the, um, you know, the KU membership and the Audible thing, I'm not overly committed to it, right? It's like I used it because it was easy and accessible to me. But the more I think about it, the more I think about the way I want to spend my money, the way I want to spend my time as a reader, the more I feel like I need to shift and switch over to Kobo. Like, and especially now that Kobo Plus is available in the United States, it's really making me rethink my reader habits. And when I'm reading from the digital side of things, I'm really considering getting one of those amazing Kobo Plus devices <laughs> where you can write in the edges and doodle and do all the things because that just sounds like so much fun to me. I love it. And then I'm not, you know, marking up a book that I don't need to. The perfectionist Virgo side of me kind of freaks out about that, but I love the idea of it, right? And then there are digital books where there are journals where you could write in there directly. That'd be so cool too. So I'm just saying. But it to me, it just feels like the direction I want to go. I want to I want to have more of that fun experience with my books. And from the digital side of things, I'm not a huge fan of reading from my phone, not because of what Tara was saying about all the notifications. Like I'm, I'm pretty good about hitting do not disturb and just going from there. But I think just because I like the experience of reading a paperback. And if there is a way to be able to get that experience through a digital device, I want to try it. So at any rate, these are my ramblings about what I want to do as a reader, what I am feeling like as an author in the direction that I'm going. But hopefully it gave you some things to think about as well. Like, are you going to start selling your books wide? Are you going to start, you know, sending people to Kobo? Are you going to start 
you know, trying out their promotions in their back dashboard? Are you going to put your audiobooks up there and see what happens? Like all the things that we have available are just more eggs in baskets. It's just more ways to be able to get our books into the hands of readers. And that's really what's important, right? All right. Well, if you'd like to download today's transcript for the episode and for the interview, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 188, and you can get it there. You can also click on some of the links that we talked about. Like I will have uh, an email link to be able to contact Kobo directly if you'd like to do that. Or if you want to check out that really silly, fun YouTube video with a commercial that Tara was talking about as well. It's great. It was actually pretty funny. I even had to show my husband Colin because it was that cute. <laughs> so definitely check that out as well. All right, guys, I am going to go back and continue writing all of my words. I'm in the process of getting Midlife Wolf Mate out the door. And thankfully, the words are flowing. It's been a good, a good time of writing since I've gotten back from InkersCon. So that's great. I hope you are getting all the words out as well. So go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks, like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.